0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I want to talk about the metrics that I think are most impactful for athletes to keep track of. And this was uh, an idea, a question that was presented uh, to us um, on, uh, on Instagram from one of our athletes, uh, Marion McDermott. So thanks Marion for, um, for reaching out and for letting us know, uh, what questions, um, would be helpful, uh, for us to cover on the podcast. And, uh, like I said, uh, we'll cover them and, uh, and here we are, I'm going to get to it and, uh, in hopes of using that, uh, question to, uh, to help others who I think are, uh, a lot of people struggle to, uh, or, are, are curious, to know uh, what metrics they should be keeping track of, uh, if it's something that they should take advantage of, what tools they should use. Um, And so there's a lot of technology on the market. There's a lot of opportunities for lots of different metrics. Um, And um, I want to uh, break down, I want to give you five that I think are most impactful, the ones that uh, that I'm looking for as a coach, and the ones that I think you can kind of get the biggest bang for the buck uh, as an athlete. So let's start with why they're important to keep track of. Um, we have lots of data, right? As athletes, we, we exercise, uh, we're wearing watches, we have power meters, uh, computers, uh, all types of, of technology that's, that's capturing data that is then um, uh, saved, uh, typically that's put on some sort of cloud-based platform, and then the athlete and the coach and whoever else is on the team can review that data. Um, And so we have lots of that, and that gives us a tremendous amount of insight into um, an athlete's physiology, an athlete's training load, their fatigue, uh, cumulative training stress, their progression, how they're managing training stress, specific to the prescriptive components of that athlete's training. What that doesn't give us is the rest of the story. Uh, and the way that I like to to present it is um, is pretty simply is that if you have um, if you have a, a one hour workout scheduled for a particular day, um, what happens the other twenty three hours of the day? Uh, and where those performance metrics fall away or or it's not the performance metrics job to uh, to capture capture the rest of that information, the the rest of um, our attempt to quantify um, how you living your life as an athlete um, is um, how it's impacting your ability to execute your training. So we're going to look at metrics through that lens. What can we learn from these metrics to help athletes and coaches better position Uh, themselves for success knowing when to execute when to pull back when to help an athlete find balance Um, and uh, that's where these metrics are most impactful is that it helps us uh, it helps us get the full picture Uh, it helps us see what's going on uh, in the other hours of the day when you're not training and truthfully that oftentimes is more important than the performance metrics um, the, the heart rate, the power, the GPS, the speed, all those things are very important and they're very, very helpful, but it also leaves out a massive portion of your life um, and we can't look at training in isolation. We can't look at our uh, how we execute on our goals and pretend that those things happen in a vacuum. We manage tremendous amounts of stress and responsibility, emotional Mental, physical stress that manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. We manage all types of things like that on any given day, um, and we need to try to understand the role and the impact that those things are having, positive or negative. So, first is HRV, heart rate variability. This has picked up a lot of traction in the last several years partly because it's become much easier to track, um, when it, at its, uh, kind of inception and, um, early stages, it was a little problematic, a little cumbersome to keep track of. Um, now there's 24 seven, uh, wearables that make that very easy to, uh, to keep track of. Um, and what we want to understand is one, what is HRV? Uh, and two, why is it important? So HRV, again, stands for heart rate variability. This is literally the variance between um, your heartbeats. So if your heart beats, uh, if if you're uh, at 60 BPM, what that tells us is that, um, or what we need to know about that uh, number is that it's not, um, your heart's not beating every second. There's some variation there. Um, it might be um, um, 0.75 seconds to one beat, and then it might be 1.12 seconds to another beat. Um, that's that variability that we're talking about. So, what heart rate variability actually is more nuanced than, uh, than just that space? That space helps us tell. a uh, a broader and and more dynamic story about how your body is processing stress. Specifically, uh, what heart rate variability is, although it's registered um, in the heart, it actually is a function of um, the autonomic nervous system. Um, And more specifically, two components of that nervous system. There's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. The parasympathetic uh, nervous system that's your um, that's kind of uh, associated or equated with the rest components. Um, and then the sympathetic is equated with, it's often called the fight or flight component. So that's your activity, that's your exercise, your stress. And so you have two branches of this autonomic nervous system that are um, that are competing. And so what where that's reflected is in HRV. And so, when we look at HRV, it provides a snapshot of how your body is balancing um, internal and external stress, um, how that parasympathetic and sympathetic um, components of the autonomic system are working to um, uh, to compete for your energy, uh, to compete for resources. Um, and so HRV becomes, um, when we understand what it's actually... Um, uh, what it's portraying, it becomes a valuable resource. Now, when do we take action on HRV? Um, HRV is, and I would say this, um, uh, it should be said about all of these metrics, that what we're really doing is we're we're working to gain a snapshot um, of how we can best set an athlete up for success over time by better understanding um, what that athlete kind of looks and feels like day in and day out. How uh, stress, emotional, physical um, manifests itself and how we need to to integrate training into that athlete's life, um, taking into account these other components. But if we look at HRV over time, we can start to do a couple things. One, we can start to understand how different types of training load impact um, that athlete's sympathetic nervous system. So how an athlete's responding to stress that might help us position an athlete or make decisions about a particular day based on HRV. Um, it can also help us understand or, or see, um, if an athlete is, um, is not feeling well, we've certainly been able to see, um, when an athlete is, um, uh, is, um, about to come down with a cold or flu. In the case of uh, of the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, we've seen signs of uh, of that um, in HRV prior to um, to diagnosis. So that's that parasympathetic component. That's that's that internal um, fight that the body is undergoing. So when HRV is tracked over time, we can start to see trends of how that athlete's body is responding to all types of different stress. And we can use it to make uh, decisions um, about how we're going to position an athlete for success. So we see a, a, a major dip in HRV that um, that doesn't coincide with what we've traditionally seen. Um, then we might make a decision to pull back, make sure that, uh, that it's safe, that the athlete isn't about to get uh, cold or flu. Um, and uh, we also see it uh, impacted by sleep as well. So HRV, again, over time becomes a a valuable snapshot to just help us quantify what's going on externally. And again, more importantly, when we understand what HRV actually speaks to, and it's really this kind of push and pull between the internal systems uh, in the body that are helping to balance stress. Um, So next, um, sleep quality. Um, So that's one that I really like to keep track of, Um, and it's important to note that sleep quality is more important or more impactful or maybe more valuable than sleep quantity. So there's lots of information out there about sleep. There's lots of studies. Specifically, there's lots of studies uh, about athletes and sleep. We know that, um, that athletes need to sleep to recover. We also know that there needs to be a decent amount of sleep quality, um, so you can't get you know three to four hours of sleep a night and expect to operate uh, at your uh, at your highest level. But we also know that there's some variability in th- in there. We've seen studies that um, it depends more on the individual, what you're used to, and kind of maximizing the quality of the time that you have available. Um, we want to try to get in as much as you can um but quality is what really matters and then and then to that end or to help um to help with that quality sleep routine really matters so how you're going to sleep are you setting yourself up for success is the room dark are you uh removing devices um are you know are you limiting screen time are you uh timing your meals appropriately so that digestion doesn't interfere with sleep so there's lots of things we can do to work on sleep quality and then of course we want to try to get as much sleep as we can because we really build fitness when we're recovering and we're recovering when we're sleeping um So, um, but within the sleep quality or kind of sleep metrics, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, side of things, we've got um, deep sleep, light sleep, we've got time awake, times woken, REM uh, or REM sleep. And this is becoming more and more approachable as more wearables are able to um, fairly accurately track these sleep patterns. So we look at sleep quality, and then within that, we look at, uh, we can break it down. So again, um, time in deep sleep, time in light sleep, your time uh, spent in REM sleep, how many times you woke up, um, and we can start to understand what the sleep actually looks like for a particular athlete. And then we can work to set ourselves up for success. So if we're seeing that you're waking up a bunch during the night, um, you got, you know, limited deep and rim sleep. There was a lot of time in, uh, in light sleep. You spent uh, a lot of time awake. Um, then we can try to work to position for quality first, um, And then again, uh, hopefully quantity um, in bouts that makes sense for for your lifestyle and whatever capacity you have the ability to do that. So sleep quality is definitely something that I look to look at. And again, over time, we all have bad nights. We have bad weeks. um, And it's not the end of the world if you have a bad night of sleep um, or even a couple of bad nights of sleep. Everyone gets stressed. um, Everyone has bad nights. Everyone doesn't feel well, whatever it is but we want to work to position ourselves for for quality as much as possible. And again, that's becoming more and more uh, approachable and we have more insight into that quality as technology allows us to have access to that data. So looking at quality, that's my second thing that I really want to pay attention to um, over time. And of course, these are going to be Um, typically these are metrics that we're looking at in the morning. So we're going to try to capture these HRVs, best capture in the morning, just after waking sleep quality. Of course, we're going to look at that. Um, uh, and then the next three that I'm going to go over. So next is overall feeling. Um, so this is a really great, um, qualitative metric that helps me understand where that athlete is at or where an athlete is at generally in Kind of in life, and and what I hope to capture with this overall feeling metric um, is that it, it really wanted to reflect your overall feeling generally about your physical, mental, and emotional health uh, or or capacity um, on that given day when you wake up. Um, what's your snapshot? How how do you feel overall about um, about life? Uh, about what you have going on that day, about the stress and the responsibility that uh, that you're dealing with. And again, everybody has hard days, but if we start to see um, longer-term trends, for instance, if we see a week where your overall feeling is bad or poor, that really means that we probably need to, uh, for me as a coach, I would say, Let's pull back, let's make some space, right We need to understand um, we probably shouldn't add more to your plate. Uh, we probably should um, really respect whatever is going on that's producing that weight that's producing that overall feeling and position um, position training in such a way that it's adding value. We don't want it to weigh you down even more so, the overall overall feeling is something that it's it's a little nuanced and it's open for interpretation. But I think that there's real power in kind of taking that snapshot, taking stock of how you're feeling uh, on any given day. Again, in the morning before the onset of the day, or your training or or you know other stressors, and let's just keep track of that in relation to training. Um, and again, is the training adding value um, to your life? Is it something that, is, is it the reason you're feeling bad? Is it becoming hard to manage training in relation to, uh, to your life? Is it, is it feeling out of balance? Is it detracting from your relationships, or your ability to, um, to, uh, to produce and execute at your job? Um, so any and all these things can really be extrapolated from this overall feeling. And I think it's something that that's worth paying attention to. And it's good practice. It's almost like a little bit of a, you know, just a very small dose of kind of journaling and introspection uh, on a daily basis that just keeps us honest, keeps us kind of taking stock of where we're at and what we're doing to affect change in a positive direction uh, in, uh, in our lives. Next is motivation. So very simply, are you motivated or aren't you? Um, Really important, I've talked a lot about motivation on this podcast. We've talked about it with guests. I've talked about it uh, on our solo recordings. and it's a it's a really um it's a really nuanced thing. It's not something that's as straightforward as am I excited or am I not? um and as we've talked about on on the podcast, um it comes from lots of different places uh, intrinsic extrinsically. So are we externally motivated by our friends, our family, races? Um, are are we intrinsically motivated? Is there kind of an internal drive and fire that's pushing us? Um, realistically, we know that we need to have both. Um, there needs to be some balance there. We can't always look externally. And then the, the intrinsic or the internal pieces um, are going to falter from time to time. We're going to need to lean on that external motivation. So Motivation and the question of are we motivated today can really provide a snapshot of what's going on. So, for instance, um, and and I look at this through the lens of kind of seasonality. So, if it's um, <clears throat> if it's January in the northern hemisphere, and an athlete is training, and let's uh, let's imagine uh, and assume that we're really far away from any sort of outcome-based goals. There's no events. Uh, We're still working on building up training. We're working on foundational strength. Um, So nothing very externally motivating about this time of year. And an athlete puts down, and again, not in isolation, but we see a trend take shape that motivation is waning or, or is faltering over the course of several days or a week. What that really means then is how then do I work with an athlete? How, <clears throat> what tools does that athlete need to work on developing intrinsic motivation? What that tells me or at least prompts me to ask is where is that internal drive? Where is that uh, intrinsic motivation? The thing that gets you out of bed in the morning when no one's looking, maybe we've lost that. And how do we get it back? Because that really is going to be the primary driver during that time of year. Again, it's January. Um, We're still working. We got maybe six months to go before we get to um, one of our outcome-based goals. We need to work to develop the tools to get that intrinsic motivation back. Um, Of course, the flip side could be, uh, it could be the height of Um, of the season and there could be lots going on and there's group, uh, group events and lots of feedback externally from our peers and events that we're doing. And if motivation, motivation falters, um, what do we need to get that back? Right? Are we not getting what we need from our peer group? Uh, Are we not getting what we need from our workouts? Um, Do we need more engagement from our families, uh, friends, whatever it is, that motivation piece, Um, And more specifically, where it's coming from or where we might think it should be coming from, um, specific to that time of year, uh, it can be very, very telling. So again, we all have slumps. Motivation is not linear. Um, It is not something that we expect to be high every day. There is plenty of days in an athlete's journey and experience season after season where you're going to have lulls there's dips, you're tired, you don't feel well, um, it's dark outside, it's cold, any and all of the experiences that we have as athletes. and But if that remains consistent, if we don't get that fire back, if we don't get that drive, if we're not excited, um, then we need to figure out what we need to do. Because the goal, of course, is that we want to remain um, athletes. We don't want to lose that excitement, that motivation, because when that falls away for too long, um, so does our athletic identity, right? I mean, that motivation is important. Um, and we need that as a driver to keep us excited to reach our full potential. So, um, checking in on motivation each day, um, and being honest, um, that's the key too. I think a lot of times as athletes, we, we want to be more motivated than we might actually be. Um, and so we might, so it's important to be honest there. Um, and these are things that, you know, you can keep track of, you know, if you're using, uh, a tool like training peaks or other cloud-based platforms, these are all metrics that are available. And so you, you can log these and your coach can see them. Um, and it's, um, you know, it can be, a, a uh, it can be an honest open space and it allows for a dialogue that's hopefully honest and open as well. So, so be honest about the motivation. And then again, if it persists for too long, um, a slump in motivation, then that really should cue you to start to look at how you, uh, what you need to get that back. Um, cause it is important. And then, uh, number five stress. So stress is a big one. Um, Stress is something we all have. Increasingly more and more there's more um, there's more uh, placed on our on our plates. There's there's more expectations placed on our time. Um, and stress is, you know, maybe at an all-time high. I mean, certainly given the last um the last year and the global pandemic and the uh you know pivots and and things that people have had to make in their home life and their work life stress is high but regardless of what's going on stress is always important it's always been something that I've cared about specific to to athleticism and and, and helping athletes reach their goals because there's one really important thing about stress that uh that athletes or, or that we don't talk about Um, Maybe as much as we should. And that's that stress is stress no matter where it comes from. So, as athletes, we really like to talk about how we compartmentalize um, stress from training versus stress from other places in our lives. So, we say, okay, you know, and we even have metrics for it. We have, you know, training stress score, TSS. Um, And we we really work to quantify that. We qualify what that means for us. We want to understand how much of it we can we can sustain. But then that that often happens in a bubble. We say no. That's that's the training stress. That's that's stress from exercise. Um, we we even say oh no you know exercise is my release. That helps me stay centered. Um, it provides mental clarity. Um, Absolutely. That's great. And so often that's true, but it's still, it's still a dose of stress. And what we need to understand and and remember and realize is that your body just knows what stress is. It doesn't um, know necessarily where it comes from. It just works to process stress. Um, And uh, again, back to the HRV and the autonomic nervous system, um, it's just working to to process kind of the external and internal stress. And so um, when we ask um, a morning metric, for instance, um, to rate your stress level, that is, um, that's what we really think about is we're, we're typically trying to put a, a sign of value to your external stress um, outside of training which is good in this instance because what that's going to help us understand is, well, then how much um, training stress should be a part of this equation? So if an athlete rates their stress on a particular morning as very high and we have a really hard workout that day, that might cause us to think differently about how we time that workout because we know that there's already a tremendous amount of stress present in the system, so to speak, that athlete is already under stress. Um, and adding more might not be the best answer. Now, it doesn't mean that we should necessarily take an off day but we might manage the intensity, um, we might manage the timing of that workout is the workout itself adding to an athlete stress. So, so, you know, just the thought of trying to execute that workout can oftentimes be a stressor. So maybe, maybe move it to a different time of day, Move it to tomorrow. Push it back later in the week. Do something else that day that isn't stressful. So instead of instead of putting training stress in a bubble, um, we want to work to to integrate it into the to the to the equation. Um, we want to work to understand how training stress impacts um, our overall stress. And if we're already experiencing that uh that heightened stress levels does that mean we need to make decisions about our training? Um I would say for me that's probably one of the the most frequent reasons that I make adjustments to an athlete's training is stress external to um to to their the prescriptive components of their training plan. So Um, because I think the most important thing that we can try to do as athletes and coaches is integrate training into an athlete's life in such a way that it feels balanced. We can still push, we can still have hard days, um, but it doesn't it doesn't throw things off. We're treating this external stress outside of training with the respect that it deserves. And we're understanding the toll and the role that that takes um, on us and it plays in our lives. And then we're, we're asking ourselves, okay, well then how, um, how can we best utilize um, this dose of training today to be productive, to, to use an athlete's time um, to kind of the highest and best extent that we can. So stress, really, really important. I think, again, similar to motivation, we're probably often maybe not as honest as we should be uh, or could be about that stress component. Um, so just take a snapshot. How are you feeling? Did it roll over from uh, from yesterday or last week, uh, sleep plays a large role in this. Um, if we're not sleeping well, if sleep quality is poor, that tends to add to our stress levels. Um, when we're tired, um, everything feels a little heavier. Um, everything feels uh, like it has a greater impact on our lives. So it all matters. Um, even if we understand why it's happening, um, it's still very real. We're still feeling these things. We're still tired. We're still stressed. We're not motivated. Uh, we're not sleeping well. Our HRV, uh, is low. So these are all very real things, um, that, um, that impact us, uh, on a daily basis. And they also ultimately impact how we, um, how we move through the world as athletes, um, how we execute on our goals, how we execute, uh, towards our goals. So just to recap, Five metrics. There's a lot out there. Um, I encourage athletes to, you know, there's no such thing as too much information, um, but a lot of it can be overwhelming. You know, we're already keeping track of a lot. So these are the five that um, I would recommend at least starting with, or if you're not going to capture anything else, um, work to really consistently capture these five. And again, those are HRV, um, sleep quality. And within that sleep quality again, we're looking at things like how long did you um, were you in deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep, how many times did you get up? Uh, how much time were you awake? So there's some some kind of qualifiers under that sleep quality that are really important and we can start to use that to set up um, positive sleep habits. Um, overall feeling um, again, this is meant to capture kind of physical and emotional, um, feeling uh, in, in a given day, um, and that over time uh, should be positive. Generally, most days we want uh, we want to feel good. Um, if that starts to shift, then we need to work to figure out uh, if there's a component of our training that we can shift to to uh, to head in the right direction. Uh, motivation is the fourth one. Um, and knowing where that comes from and how to compartmentalize that within the season. And then use this metric to understand if there's uh, tools that we need to develop to, to better um, to position ourselves for motivation uh, or to be motivated when it matters most. Um, and then lastly is stress. And again, the takeaway here is that stress is stress. It all matters. It all adds up. I don't care if it comes from work or family or training. Um, Your body knows stress, and it works to process um, and dissipate that stress. And so we need to look at the bigger picture. And so capturing um, how stressed you are, uh, your level of stress, high or low, uh, on a given day, and then... um, uh, and then using that or comparing that against these other metrics becomes a really, really robust snapshot of what's going on. HRV gives us the internal um, and then these other metrics really allow us to see these kind of external and how some of the the habits that we have, um, how our diet, nutrition, hydration, how a lot of these larger picture things are playing into our ability to execute towards um, our training goals. So, um, I hope that was helpful. Um, again, there's lots of uh, there's lots that can be captured here, um, but m- keeping metrics um, and recording them consistently is really, really valuable because it does help us understand what's going on um, in all of the hours when you're not training. And that's really what we want to see. Being an athlete, you're not just an athlete when you're working out, you're an athlete. 24 hours of the day among a number of other responsibilities and identifiers that we have. So these metrics help to uh, help us to understand this, this big picture uh, and the full picture. So as always, uh, Thomasendurancecoaching.com for everything that we talk about on the podcast. We got some great uh, blog content up. We're doing some really cool things on, uh, on Instagram, putting a lot of video content. Uh, out there, which is, which has been super fun and really valuable. Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, always reach out to us uh, if there's anything that you want us to cover on the podcast. Um, shout out and thanks again to Marion, who, uh, who presented uh, this question and, and wanted to know uh, what metrics are helpful, um, what we're talking about when we talk about metrics. We had touched on them several times throughout numerous podcasts, and she was curious uh, what we actually uh, kind of meant by that. So we want uh, I want this podcast to be something that's valuable to everyone that listens. So if you have questions, um, you can send them in at enduranceminded.com. Um, or you can reach out to us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and we would love to hear from you. And we'll make a podcast episode to make sure we cover your questions. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. And I'll see you next time.